This is the Impact Report. I'm your host, Katie Ullman. The Impact Report brings together students and faculty in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, social entrepreneurship, and more. These conversations go live the first and third Friday of each month. This week, Bard MBA's Molly Kick speaks with Jane Lorry, Global Head of Corporate Affairs at KPMG International. So hi again, Jane. I'm Molly Kick. I'm a part-time student in my final year at Bard. Um, I was really interested to talk to you uh, for this podcast because I studied accounting in undergrad and I've been working for a, a large um, B2B firm for the past few years. And I found that working in B2B sometimes makes sustainability a a tougher sell. So I was really curious to hear um, your thoughts on that and also maybe talk about how B2B clients are starting to to lead more conversations on sustainability. So so Molly, it's great, great to be here. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, it sounds like you're very well placed to have this conversation. So look forward to it. Great, thanks. Yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, so for those who may be unfamiliar with KPMG, can you tell us about the organization and its mission? Yeah, sure. So uh, KPMG is a global professional services firm. Um, and it actually started about 150 years ago, and it has its roots very much in accountancy. Um, but now it operates across um, around 150 countries um, and employs 200,000 people. And basically our purpose is, we, we say, to inspire confidence and empower change. Um, so what does that mean? Well, actually, I would say at the core of what we do is about protecting public interest. So making sure that markets and businesses um, are operating in the interest of the public. And, and on top of that, actually using our experience to work with businesses to look at risks and opportunities so that we can help uh, set up a better future. Great. So very, very well placed for this uh, conversation around sustainability as well, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And what size is the team that you work with directly? Well, directly, I have a team of around uh, 50 people in, in corporate affairs globally, but then they are connected into a very large extended team of corporate affairs colleagues around the world. And you know, as you think about sort of the broader sustainability agenda, um, really it sort of permeates into the whole the whole firm. So if you like, uh, that sort of two hundred thousand plus people. Got it. Wow. Um, could you tell us a bit about your professional background and how did it prepare you for your current role as global head of corporate affairs at KPMG? And if you don't mind, I'm particularly interested in your experience. Um, working in sustainability with with Tesco and how you were able to bring um, some learnings from that to KPMG. Yeah, sure. And I'll maybe talk about a couple of the companies that I've worked for and and, and try and take some sort of uh, themes and threads from that. Um, So actually, I started my working life uh, in the late 1980s, seems a long time ago, and I actually started in advertising. Um, But from there, I've really moved into, I would say, all the different disciplines within corporate affairs. So I've worked in internal communications, media relations, um, public affairs, uh, and obviously the sustainability piece. 
And I've worked across global organizations which have included uh, Boots, uh, which is now Allianz Boots, uh, Diageo, um, the drinks company, Coca-Cola, uh, and as you mentioned, Tesco, and, and now KPMG. And in terms of how that set me up for my role now, I think, um, well, first of all, if you look at, I think sustainability started to move into the corporate affairs agenda around about the sort of 1990s. And I think that's partly because corporate affairs um, is really about understanding all stakeholders of an organization. So that's everything from employees to politicians, academics, NGOs. Um, and it's always been clear that an organization is very much defined by the actions it takes, not uh, what it says. And therefore, very early on in my career, um, I started working with organizations and specifically CEOs to focus on what was important to the long-term success of their business. Um, so in some regards, I would say that kind of corporate affairs background is the foundation for what we now talk about as stakeholder capitalism. So this idea that um, business is responsible for a, co a positive contribution across really all, all of its different publics. And I think that set me up very well in terms of to the role in KPMG now, um, looking at what we do as an organization, um, both to set ourselves up to do the right thing in society, but also really importantly to work uh, with clients and other businesses um, to, to try and sort of make positive difference in the future. I was particularly curious about your work in um, sustainability with Tesco, but I'd love to hear any, you know, any big lessons learned from those companies, absolutely. Yeah, so I think, you know, with any organization, you you mentioned about mission and purpose. And I think you have to start with what the purpose of a business is and what impact and role you play in society. Um, and I think as we go through COVID, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about the CEO Outlook study we've mm -hmm. done, it's become very clear that, you know, when you go through a global crisis like COVID, um, the very purpose of a business gets called into question. So in some respect, you know, why we operate and the legitimacy of a, of a company uh, becomes even more important when, when organizations have to go into lockdown. So if you think about, a, you know, whether you're an FMCG or, or retail, um, actually you need to look across what it is you do and what it is you're uh, providing to customers and to society and the, the, the footprint that you have on that society, both positively and negatively. So if I think about the work with, with uh, a number of the organizations that I've talked about, really it starts with saying what is the um, material difference that you make? So almost like doing a materiality assessment. Where is it that you have the most impact? Um, so if you're a retail organization, it might be your products. It could be uh, where you operate. It could be your distribution network. And, and certainly with, with a, an employer beside the Tesco, uh, actually, you know, the people that you uh, employ. So, you know, Tesco um, employs over 400,000 people. So all of that contributes to what is your uh, impact from a sort of planetary and societal point of view. And then once you understand uh, what that impact is, it's about taking the decisions where you want to make the biggest difference. So, for example, in a, in a retailer, a food retailer particularly, um, Clearly, you know, packaging and, and plastics in packaging was a really big uh, area for uh, an organization like Tesco mm -hmm. to focus on. But also actually food waste. So you think about the amount of food um, 
that Tesco sort of sells uh, in any year, you know, how does it actually contribute to positively reducing that food waste? So I think with any organization, um, starting off with the, the materiali materiality assessment, deciding where it is you can make the biggest difference, and then of course it's actually about engaging with your people as well, um, because it's about the big things you can do, but also as we all know in this area, it's about all the small things we can do as individuals that add up to make a bigger difference. So I guess that is what is at the heart and, and the sort of lessons that come out of um, working across FMCG and retail. That's great, thanks. Um, if we can transition the conversation a bit, you already mentioned the CEO Outlook study a bit, uh, but I know KPMG released that study last month, uh, officially the 2020 KPMG CEO Outlook. Um, as in previous years, this year's study provides an in-depth three-year outlook of global executives on enterprise, social issues, and economic growth. It also includes new and changing questions to capture CEOs' outlooks on the evolving dynamics coming from the COVID-19 pandemic. Can you tell us more about the study and the process of producing it? Yeah, sure. And I think what's interesting about this study, Molly, so we do a CEO outlook every year. Um, and I have done for several years now, but what is sort of unique and different about this, and I think what makes it so interesting, is that we interviewed CEOs um, at the beginning of COVID, so in January, so really before COVID had started to take hold globally. And then we went back and interviewed them again in um, summer. So once, you know, we're certainly not through COVID, but once we started to get more of a sort of understanding of what was happening. And, and what we did was we looked at how um, the trends of what CEOs were focusing on had changed. So we, we talked to, um, um, I think, over 1,300 CEOs across 11 global countries, and we started to sort of see the trends. And what, what is interesting is a couple of things. Um, First of all, is that things have changed. So the the, the order of, of priority that CEOs are, are thinking about business really have changed quite significantly. And the one thing that is probably the most standout is that um, the biggest concern for CEOs today is actually talent. So where in January that was around about uh, 12 on, on people's lists of um, risks and opportunities, it, it now is number one. And I think what that's wow. telling us, yeah, it's a, it's a really big change. And I think that tells you two things. It tells you, first of all, uh, that actually CEOs are very um, focused on protecting and looking after their people in what they know is going to be a, a very difficult uh, and turbulent sort of economy ahead. And then I think the, the other side of that um, coin, if you like, is um, understanding that the talent that um, businesses are going to need for the future are going to have some very unique skill sets. So the second point on the risks, uh, which links into talent, um, the, the second sort of highest priority is digital transformation. So if you think about how we've used digital or how digital has really come to the front, whether that's in the way that we are looking at sort of uh, medical technology analysis, um, or even just in the way we're sort of shopping and, and even working remotely, digital has become um, such a big consideration of, of how we're transforming the way that we that we live our lives, basically. And so that means that there are going to be different skill sets, different kind of problem-solving skill sets we need in talent. So I think those two top priorities um, 
uh, in terms of talent and digital actually sit quite quite closely together. And then the, the third one, which I think is really uh, important and, and comes through a lot of the answers in the CEO Outlook, um, is this sort of increase in prioritization on purpose and sustainability. So again, we talked a little bit about, you know, the very reason that uh, businesses exist um, is coming much more into the, the focus. Um, so, you know, what, why, are, why are we all here? What do we get up in the morning to deliver? How are we impacting society? And therefore, I think purpose and the whole sort of sustainability agenda in its broadest sense, so that whole environmental society and, and governance or the ESG piece. You were able to go back and ask these questions in March. I think that's so interesting. Uh, why is this kind of study so important now? Well, I think, you know, the, the thing that's uh, very clear about the situation we're in today is um, uncertainty. So if you are a, a CEO of an organization, whether that's a sort of um, profit, not for profit, I think that uncertainty and not being clear what's coming um, is the greatest uh, thing on CEO's mind. So actually giving some clarity and starting to see some emerging trends, I think helps CEOs uh, to determine what decisions they're going to make. So I think that that's why the timing is so important and why um, we'll sort of keep coming back to look at how, how are things changing so that CEOs can make better informed decisions in a time of real uncertainty. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any findings that you found to be particularly surprising or encouraging, maybe particularly around um, either CEO growth prospects or um, a new commitment to purpose and uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and access? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of things. Um, may maybe not surprising is from an economic point of view. I think you're seeing two things. I think on a, a global um, basis, people are more bearish, so they are not as confident in the global economy, uh, which I don't think anybody would be surprised at. But what's maybe slightly more encouraging is that as it gets closer to home, so as CEOs come to their own countries or even their own businesses, they are more optimistic about growth. So I think that's quite an interesting and, and encouraging one. Yeah. Um, the second one, as you say, which I do think is, is encouraging for, for all of us, is the fact that uh, purpose and the societal piece has really risen up the agenda. Um, so, you know, CEOs are um, being much more focused on, on how they're impacting the world. And again, if you read the study, what's quite interesting is that this is actually very personal. It, it probably mm -hmm. isn't surprising in a way that, you know, we're all human beings um, and we've all been affected in some way by the, the, the sort of terrible crisis of COVID. Uh, and I think that's made it very personal for CEOs, which means that um, they're much more connected both to what they're doing from a business point of view, from a societal point of view, and actually interestingly also much more connected with their people. So another sort of interesting point, and again, you know, we're all doing this on a daily basis, but video conferencing has become such more the norm that actually what that means is that, you know, managers, senior managers, CEOs can connect with their people um, much more easily and much more deliberately. So probably like you, you know, we've been having um, many sort of all people video conferences. So I think that sort of greater connection to people is something which is both encouraging. Uh, and one final point I would make, because it leads into it quite neatly, is 
that whole kind of virtual way of working, and particularly when you think of a, an organization like KPMG, professional services organization, um, we are connected to a lot of global businesses and therefore we do do a lot of travel. And actually this um, new virtual way of working has meant that not only are we um, reducing our sort of carbon footprint, but we can mm -hmm. connect much more rapidly. So I, I think that is also quite encouraging and positive, and we might touch on it in a moment, but you know, how do you actually start to lock in some of those benefits through COVID, and particularly from a sort of climate point of view mm -hmm. and a people engagement point of view? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's a huge change for a company like KPMG. Uh, as you said, I think some of those changes are very encouraging. Um, looking to the future, how do you think this report and some of these, these perspectives will influence companies, industries, and organizations that were not a part of the study? Well, I mean, the, the, the study was conducted broadly, like you say, with sort of large, larger organizations, but um, it was across 11 different sectors, uh, 11 different countries as well. Uh, and the trends are so clear that actually I think the CEOs um, who are not involved in the study can, can look at those trends and start to think about um, what they should be doing, sort of particularly as it relates to those core things around digital transformation, um, ESG agenda, and talent. And, and it's not just this one study alone. Clearly, I think you can see trends in the way that um, the way that sort of uh, the outside world generally is thinking from a societal point of view. Um, society and, and the impact that business have on society has become much more of a topic of conversation, I would say, you know, in the general public and, and media. So I think this uh, study does give some good insights and some good data points. Um, and I think it'll inform the way that all of us start to consider um, what are those both sort of opportunities but also risks uh, for the coming sort of three years and five years, but actually um, probably slightly closer in and, you know, we are still, I guess, really managing our way through the COVID crisis. So until we get to a position where we have a, a, a vaccination on COVID, we've really got to think about how we work differently, work remotely and protect our people. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, if it's okay, I'd like to return to something you said a, a moment ago with the last question, and I think you were hoping we might might come back to it. But in terms of locking in some of the changes, um, you gave the example of uh, the possibility of reduced travel and making you know um, virtual connections more quickly. Um, in terms of locking in some of those changes, did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know we know that climate change uh, is still one of the most critical things that we need to address. Um, globally, collectively, and actually we've been given, uh, strangely, a bit of an opportunity through COVID to understand how we can work better virtually. So I would really hope, and then we've already seen both, you know, um, in our own organisation and other CEOs considering how do we actually move to a position where we're, we're zero basing our carbon and, and working back up to what um, what carbon emissions we need, as opposed to automatically defaulting to where we were in 2019 and, and then sort of trying to work back down from that. So I do mm. think that whilst it's challenging, um, 
thinking about you know, what the, the climate benefits have been through COVID um, and, and whether that's by you know, different kind of travel policies, whether it's different budgeting, um, really thinking about how we, we uh, keep some of those savings from a climate point of view. Yeah, yeah, I'm curious to see how that, that pans out. It's very interesting. So what do you see as the biggest sustainability challenge we have to take on during 2020 and beyond? That's a really good question. And I think the answer is about being able to deal with multiple challenges at the same time. So I think in the past, we've, we've always sort of, if you like, tried to prioritize one over the other. Mm-hmm. And my slight concern would be that, um, well, I think climate remains a real priority for everybody. But with the, um, with the sort of you know, COVID crisis, the S of the ESG, so the societal piece has definitely risen to the fore. And I think that's a really good thing. So I think one of the sort of uh, challenges for businesses is um, even thinking about the, um, the sort of terrible uh, death of George Floyd and how that's resonated across every boardroom. I think you know, the S is coming up the agenda and therefore we absolutely need to focus on that. But I think the biggest challenge um, it's how do you focus on the, the S and the societal piece whilst not losing sight of the environmental piece. So I do think that we all, both sort of business, uh, governments, um, all of us as individuals tend to prioritise one over the other. So mm-hmm. I think the biggest challenge is actually that it's about more than just one priority. So for me, how do you keep both of those going at the same sort of speed is the, is the biggest challenge. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and second question, what do you see as the biggest challenge in your day-to-day work in sustainability? Well, I think if I, if I go back and I sort of mentioned at the beginning, you know, sustainability, um, I've been working in this area for, well, over 25 years, I guess. And I would have said that the biggest challenge typically is how you reconcile um, the sort of commercial uh, costs of having to implement sustainability changes um, with the sort of uh, the, the, the needs, if you like. So how do you balance the long-term and short-term? So sustainability clearly is a long-term goal um, and, and the cost comes in the short-term. So I would say there's always that tension between the kind of uh, the cost and, and the benefit. But I think, and I'm going to be optimistic here, uh, I think that has changed. Um, in the last sort of certainly five, maybe even ten years, and, and, and particularly for those organisations who uh, have taken more of a leadership position, I think that becomes less of an issue because people understand that uh, the longer term um, gains for business um, need to be paid for in the short term. So, mm-hmm. but I'm not being idealistic in saying that that tension goes away completely. And clearly, coming through COVID, there's going to be such an economic pressure that how do you um, how do you sort of make sure that the organizations um, are able to free up the resources they need to deal with the long-term issues? So long-term, short-term is always the biggest challenge for sustainability. But like I say, from an, op- an optimistic point of view and looking at our sphere outlook, um, I do think that businesses in the world in general recognizes that it's something we absolutely need to focus on if we want to be a sort of healthy and vibrant society for the future. Uh, great. 
Well, thank you so much, Jane. This was a phenomenal interview for me. Uh, very enlightening. I really enjoyed your, your definition of KPMG at the beginning as empowering change and working in the public interest. Uh, and also your explanation of, of corporate affairs and speaking about actions being more important than words. So this was a, a really great and interesting interview for me and I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for your time, enjoyed it. Learn more about KPMG and their 2020 CEO outlook by visiting home.kpmg. Join us for the next episode of the Impact Report on Friday, December 4th. We'll be speaking with Ben Vanden Weimellenberg, founder of Woodchuck USA. For the complete lineup and other news, visit us at impactreportpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. BARD MBA in Sustainability is one of a select few graduate programs globally that fully integrates sustainability into a core business curriculum. Learn more at bard.edu slash MBA.